It's not Darren. It's Damien Corey. Oh, Damien Corey? Wait, my my first name is Corey. No, it's Damien Abraham. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool that you're here. I'm really surprised that you want to do this podcast. Um, I got that intro you sent over. Are are you ready? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. You probably became aware of our next guest when his band Mother 13 scored a top 10 hit in 2003 with their album High Dive and their appearance on that year's Huggies Fall Into Softness Tour. Mother 13 was, of course, the first band to ever play on Mount Everest, a concert that sadly ended in the lives of three of its members. But more than that, you know him as the host of the Shout Network game show, Pimp My Lean 2, and as the voice of Pancake on the Shout Junior show, The Breakfast Bunch. Of course, I could be talking about no other than Corey Harris. Corey, welcome to Turned Out a Punk. Great to be here. Great to be here. Uh, I I just want to say it's so cool getting to talk about the music that really made me who, who I am, you know, just like you. My life was saved by punk rock, so it, it's going to be fun. Well, Corey, um, I, I got to be honest with you. Um, uh, my, I'm doing this as a favor to someone, and uh, I'm a little unsure. You know, like Mother Thirteen kind of has, kind of has the rep of of being posers. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, what? I, I, <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't mean to come off rude when I say that, but. I was shocked that you wanted to do this show, if I'm going to be honest with you. Well, on on what grounds do you think I'm a, a poser? I, I It's kind of offensive. Well, I just think, you know, you're a guy who's famous for playing on the Huggies Fall Into Softness tour. Like, there doesn't seem to be a corporate handout that you didn't turn down in the early 2000s. Well, you know, we needed startup money you know to really get rolling you know like a lot of those bands that back then black flags um who was the other band uh uh tassel uh it tassel. yeah it's spelled t-s-o-l oh <laughs> okay you know what i've been wrong before so why don't we just lay all the cards out on the table why don't you just give me you know just your top 10 like what are your top 10 punk you know broadly punk it could be anything that falls under that umbrella you know songs of all time oh my god you're you're putting me on the spot here oh my god well let me think about this it's going it's going to be hard to pick just 10 you know like probably like most of the guests that you've had on turn me on punk my life was like i said instantly changed when i first heard my my first punk song so so let's start with the first one i ever heard all right um um, it's got it right in the title, the atomic punk by Van Halen. <laughs> All right. You know, uh, they play with the Ramones. Sure. Sure. Uh, what was it about atomic punk that, that drew you in? Probably the fact that it had the word punk in the title. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. Uh, let's go to nine. Uh, you may be right by Billy Joel. Oh, classic. Of course. Billy Joel. Everyone, when, when you think punk, that's the first name that pops in your head. Well, he's got a lot of street punk songs like that, uh, Sleeping With the Television On, uh, the song that was the theme for Bosom Buddies. Um, All right, let's roll on. Uh, God, Roxanne by The Police. They had a punk 7-inch, but, you know, by that point, are they a punk band? Like, is that song? Well, Roxanne was a 7-inch, too. Yeah, it was a big hit. I, I can't deny that, but at the same time, it's not, you know them at their most raging 
Wait, are you one of these guys that doesn't think a band can be both punk and reggae at the same time? Because that's really close-minded. No, I definitely think bands can have a strong reggae influence. You know, bands like the Bad Brains, of course, or, you know, even even the stuff like the first wave two-tone stuff. Oh, what, like Madness? Yeah, kind of like Madness. Yeah, I guess they would be, you know, they're an example of it. Ska, you know, they've got punk and punk is in there, in their stew at least. Not not as much as the Bad Brains. Hey, well, speaking of bands that mixed a lot of styles, uh, let's go with Seven. Uh, You know, it's probably the... This might be one of the more punk songs that, that I've got on my iPod. Uh, should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash? Once again, you know, you're going a little late in these bands' discographies here, Corey. Like, you know, these these are not the deepest cuts and certainly not the punkest cuts by these bands. What? Of course it does. It has that part where it's got, a, it's got like this thrash part that happens a couple times. Thrash should part? I stay? Or, yeah, should I stay or should I go down? That's like that's really fast. Yeah, it's fast. Okay, it's fast for that period of the clash. I'll give you that much. Uh, all right. Uh, um, um, all the small things by uh, Blink. You know what? A modern song. Uh, uh, I. I you floored me with that one, Corey. You know, it's it's definitely a band that comes up on the show. But once again, most people are going back a little bit further in their catalog or, you know, they wouldn't have the courage to put them on their top 10 punk songs of all time. Well, one undeniable fact about that song, that guitar is pretty distorted. The guitar is pretty distorted and it is kind of fast. It is kind of fast. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time. I, I play air drums sometimes. It's it's a, I, I can play it for about two minutes and then I get tired. You know, and I, I can understand liking the popular stuff, but you know, what about the Descendants? You know, or 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 the Fastbacks? You know, all these great classic bands that were doing this years ago. Writing these names down, I gotta check these out. How do you um the Fast Batch? Say it again. Fastbacks. Fastbacks. It, it, Duff McKagan. Played uh, played drums on the first seven inch. <laughs> Duff McKagan's in Guns N' Roses. Uh, before he was in Guns N' Roses, Corey. Back in the uh, day, he was he was in the fastback. So. That doesn't sound right at all. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Okay, um, let's move on. In a big country by Big Country. Uh, once again, I, I was shocked to find this on your list. Uh, I, a little bit deeper cut than I thought you'd go. To be honest with you, I don't know how capital P punk it is though. That's pretty punk. Um, they did wear flannel shirts, which I've seen, uh, uh, what's the band? Uh, Nirvana. Uh, some of those guys were, wore those flannel shirts. Yeah. Uh, Nirvana is that? Yeah. Like they, they wore flannel shirts, but I don't know if that makes, you know, my lumberjacks wear flannel shirts. You know, I don't think that's the indicator on whether or not someone's a punk. Well, we could argue about that all night. Uh, all right, number four. Number four. Sheer Heart Attack by Queen. Uh, okay. It's pretty raging. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty raging. raging. Yeah, definitely raging. Don't see it showing up on a lot of punk lists. Even even the ones in you know mainstream music magazines that have those weird outlier artists where you're always shocked that they somehow made it on the list. Uh, Queen's never one of those bands. Huh. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm only speaking from my own personal punk truth, you know? So that's... Well, how did you get to Queen? Like, was that 
you know, was it at a punk show? Did a punk band cover them? Like what brought oh, you God. to Queen? Oh, I saw that cool video where they're all dressed as women. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Classic video. That was the first thing that got me really into them. I want to break free. That's what it's called. <laughs> okay. So you're not. Okay. So it wasn't like, it wasn't a band covering them or anything like that. No, it's just Queen itself is on your list of the best punk songs of all time because they're a punk band. Well, the song's super fast. I, I got to send you some real fast stuff so you can hear that. I don't know. It's pretty fast. All right. All right. Okay. Well, here's my next one. And it's, it's not quite as fast, but it's still, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess you call it hardcore. All right. Let's hear what this one is. I'm ready. Jeremy, Jeremy by Pearl Jam. I, you got me. You got me there. Do people call it hardcore? I think so. I've, I've definitely heard them called hardcore. I, I think they have members of, ba- of, of bands that were hardcore bands in there. But I don't know if if you could call them a hardcore band. What bands were they in before? Uh, they were in Green River and uh, Deranged Diction and um, uh, trying to remember Eddie Vedder's band. Eddie Vedder had a band that was kind of Pearl, uh, kind of like Pearl Jam meets Red Hot Chili Peppers. Dude, if you're gonna make up band names, just just be honest, okay? It's like it's not it's not funny. It's punk. It's re- it's real life, and I, I care deeply about it. So come on. I I just think you know you and me just have different definitions about what this thing is, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't know, you know, if you're right for the show. Well, here's one we can all agree on. All right. Okay. okay. Yes. Blitzkrieg Bob by the Ramones. Blitzkrieg Bob? Excuse me? What'd you say, sorry? It's called Blitzkrieg Bob. No, it's Blitzkrieg Bob. No, it's about this guy named Bob who was in, in World War II, I guess, right? He's moving in a he's moving down the a fast line and he's 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 uh he's Blitzkrieg Bob. No, no. How do you not know this? This is like like this is this is like entry level stuff here. This is no, look. I'll I'll show you right now. I'm gonna Google it right now. Blitzkrieg Bob. Oh wait, no. There's a porno guy named Blitzkrieg Bob. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> not the same dude from uh, from Munich. Let me. Okay, let's see if I can skip that. Blitzkrieg Bob. There's another Blitzkrieg Bob who's a porno guy. Jesus, what's going on here? There's three of them. This is insane. Oh, you know, look, I'm man enough to admit it. It is Blitzkrieg Bob. I didn't know. No, you didn't know. That's what, that's the thing, Corey. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, you wanted to come on the show. I, I just don't think it was your choice. Like, I think kind of like maybe a publicist put this together or something because it just, it just doesn't feel like you really resonate with any of the stuff we talk about on this thing. All right, number one, there's okay, number no one. way you, you're never going to disagree with this, all right? Yes. Probably the best Black Flag song there is. All right, I'm ready. I, I want to hear, okay, Black Flag. Okay, we're on the same page on this one. Okay. It's called Liar. No, Rollins Band. That's Rollins Band. Who? Henry Rollins, the singer of Black Flag, after Black Flag, did did Rollins Band, and that was their big hit. They won. I think they even won a Grammy for it. Hey, for your information, Henry Rollins is an actor. No, he's also the singer of Black... Why? Who else is this thing called? It's called the Rollins Band. Who else is it named after? I don't know. I, I, Corey, I don't... I, 
you know, I'm not, you know, there's no other way to say it. You're kind of a poser on this shit, man. Like, I don't, I don't know why you think it's going to help you sell the band maybe, or I just don't know why you want to be on this thing. If you don't like any of the stuff, I love this stuff. And check this out. I was seeing the Foo Fighters on the color and the shape tour when you were still in grade six. Well, I, I saw the Foo Fighters before that. And, you know, once again, like, I don't know if they're all people from hardcore bands. I don't know if you'd call that like a hardcore record or a punk record. Well, it is. And listen, I have Mark McGrath's private phone number. Do you? No, I've, I've never had a reason to call him. And, and you know, Mean Machine's kind of punk, I guess. But I don't think he's like a punk rocker. What does the longest yard have to do with this? Uh, Corey, you know what, man? I I just, I don't even know where to start. You know, like, there's just like, I feel like we could, you and me could make a whole separate podcast, just me teaching you about punk. I know more about punk than any of you guys. And for the record, I didn't even want to be on this dumb show. But Mother 13 is your brother's favorite band. And he was practically in tears begging me to be on this damn podcast. Yeah, I know. Tristan, for some reason, thinks that Mother 13 is a crossover band from punk. But you know what? Let's not get into it. This isn't Tristan's show. He doesn't have to do the interviews. I'm the one that's got to do an interview. And I don't think you and me are going to be chatting for an hour about punk rock. Because, you know, here we are like... 10 minutes into this thing and, and already I've run out of things to say to you about this stuff. You're actually not the first surviving member of Mother 13 to to talk to me about this. And I, I've talked to him about it. And, you know, I, I, all I can say is sorry for him on this. But but as far as you and me go, I, I just don't think this is, you know, this is going to be episode 300, you know? Look, 100% agree. I, I don't I don't need this. I'm I've got a wonderful life. With or without punk, okay? It's it's a blip to me. And look, I gotta go. Adam Levine just texted. He needs me to walk him through how to turn on this new hot tub he's got. He has one just like mine. It's pretty complicated, all right? So you enjoy your little punk fiesta, okay? Happy 200th or whatever it is, all right? Say to your kid Optimus Prime for me. Excuse me? You got your, your Transformer kid. Your kid that's named after a Transformer. Say I don't for me. I haven't seen him in like 10 years. Seriously, his mother, total psycho. All right, gotta go. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, it's a milestone. It's a milestone I never thought we'd reach. Episode 300. That's right. We have a huge show for you, and I will have all the details on that in a second. But first... 
If you want to get in touch with me, as always, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire and really the guy that that gave this show a little bit of rocket fuel when we desperately needed it, Tristan Abraham. Tristan, thank you so much for all you've done for this show. I love you so much, buddy. And he will get the message to me. If you're looking for me on social media, I am at left for Damien. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is just by telling all your friends, letting all of them know that you listen to this podcast and we have a we have a, a swell old time over here at Turned Out of Punk. You can also support the show by subscribing it, to it and rating it on your podcast platform of choice or by heading over to patreon.com slash turned out of punk and subscribing to some of the content we have over there and, and just becoming a patron. So thank you to everyone that has done that. It really enables me to kind of keep this show going. And speaking of keeping this show going, this show would not be possible without the kind, loving support of the fine folks at Vans who came aboard a few years ago and said, Damien, do your show. Just, just don't do it in your own pocket anymore. And they gave me a little bit of money to kind of keep this thing going and have believed in this show when, when, you know, like, let's face it, we're a, we're a small, uh, little fish in the giant podcast pond out there. And the, the fact that they believe in this thing, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. So thank you very much to them for coming aboard a few years ago with their belief. All right, Lauren, here we are. Turned out of punk episode 300. I am here with the person who, who really makes this whole thing possible. My long suffering and, uh, very understanding partner, Lauren Moses Brettler. Lauren, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Well, I, uh, I had to have you on the show because we are here now at episode 300 and you were here. Prior to episode one, you've been here a lot yeah. longer than episode well, one. Seventeen years and counting. Yeah, so you've had to pu- have ducked your uh, your podcast offers until now. Yeah, Lauren has not ever done a turned out a punk episode. I asked her at episode fifty. I asked her at episode one hundred, two hundred, and finally for three hundred, she agreed to come on, not for a whole episode, <laughs> but simply to be my my guest co-host for this first of three parts of episode three hundred. It's true. Uh, we complement each other very well because um, I don't really like listening to myself talk. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and uh, and and you know, I, I think uh, you're not really the biggest fan of hearing me ramble on anymore. So that's why I kind of had to get this podcast. I've, I think I counted. I've listened to about twenty or twenty five of your episodes. So I think All right. I'm doing well. Twenty five uh, out, out of three hundred. Three hundred. Okay. Um, I have... But I think to be fair, you have heard all the best stories. From me ad nauseum. Like you have many, many, many times. In fact, I'm sure I could probably tell many of those stories. <laughs> you could probably um, you could probably tell the entire Zach Blair MVP. Oh, definitely. I can tell that life story. <laughs> um the Fat Mike Hotel story. Actually, you probably haven't No, that's haven't... not that's not no. on the podcast. Okay, disregard. <laughs> Um, yeah, many classics. Many classics. It's... But whenever you have a guest on that I really like, I do listen to that one. Well, I just, it's not just you. I don't really like listening to interviews in general. I, like, I find it very, oh, no offense, awkward to listen to interviews. You listen to I, a lot of podcasts, though. Yes, I do listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, um, being the stereotype that I am. Um, and, you know. Other other various topics, um, but mostly mostly cold case podcasts. So if we have someone come on this podcast and talk about murdering someone, there you go. You will listen I'm to I'm there. It. Okay, we actually have had that. But <laughs> right. It's not, but I, I've told you that story before. Well, this is episode three hundred, and I've uh, jam packed it with people who 
unlike yourself, have agreed to be on in the past. A lot of returning. And God bless them. Yeah, a lot of returning guests, a lot of returning friends uh, are here today. As I say, it's going to be a long one. So uh, I'll kind of give you the, the layout of this podcast marathon. And it's great because if you're listening to this when it drops, it's around the holidays. And you're going to be sitting around your house, and, and hopefully this gives you something to listen to. And I promise you, we do not talk about holidays or or uh, much anything else apart from punk rock. But we have kind of running throughout the three episodes an epic conversation, Lauren, with two people that you know pretty well. In one case, very well. Uh, Nick Flanagan and Danko Jones, uh, my my buddies. I've been on their both of their podcasts with them before. Yep. And finally they come here, and the conversation is like two and a half hours. Well, I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> that didn't, I wasn't trying for that to come up exactly as it did. It is one of the funniest things I've ever done on this show, though. I don't mean... I not, not because it's me, but I just think the, the, the three of us just, you know, like to like to bust each other's chops pretty good whenever we can. So that will be running through the three episodes... Also sprinkled throughout the uh, show, there will be interviews with and conversations with some other friends of the show and, and people that are involved in the show. And uh, I'll leave that to be a surprise. Well, you'll probably see when you look at the description who's in it and <laughs> the photos with it. But, you know, we can pretend it's a surprise because <laughs> I don't really know where who's going where. But right off the top, you heard Corey Harris from the infamous band Mother 13. And Lauren, they were the first band to ever play on Mount Everest. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Three members died. Oh, well. That, that part sucks. Yeah, it was a kind of a... On tra- Mount Everest? On Mount Everest. It was Whoa. A, it was a tragic tale. What? Yeah, Corey Harris. If you want to hear the entire um, story of it, you would head over to Sharpling and Worcester and the amazing uh, document that they put out, The Art of the Slap. You can hear it on Bandcamp, and I believe you can also hear it on other streaming platforms. And uh, in the, the, the song, or the, I don't know, song, the track... Mother 13, it's a two-part track, you will hear the entire horrifying tale of Mother 13. And uh, once again, thank you to Corey Harris for coming on the show. Very much appreciate it, even though he was a huge poser and ultimately did not make it. So anyway, let's move on. Uh, Lauren, we're going to start off with uh, the, the bulk of this show, the backbone interview of this show. Are you ready to sit back with me right now and listen to... Nick Flanagan and Danko Jones on Turn It a Punk. Let's do it. It's like this motherfucking technology. Well, you can, I can make one too, if you want. You make a meeting? No. We're in this meeting now. It'd be weird if we made like a second, well, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe make the second meeting, then we can, uh, maybe a second meeting right now. And, ah, fuck it. I'll do it when we get kicked no, out. No, no more dumb. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> All right, dudes. Welcome to the first ever meeting of the uh, the triple threat. D and D. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's awesome. We're, we're all we're all like Dungeons and Dragons, former Dungeons and Dragons players, and we are we are D and D. That's great. I like yeah, that. That's really cool. I I love D and D. Yeah, yeah. Were you? What are you? First edition or second edition? Well, first second edition. edition Basic but, and expert. No, that's not even first edition you're talking about. I mean, sorry. First edit. <laughs> it's uh that's not even first edition you're talking about. It's um 
it's that's Dungeons and Dragons period. There's no, that's like, read this book first, read this book next. That was the first Dungeons and Dragons I ever bought, but I wound up getting into second edition the most, but first edition had such cool manuals that you gotta go, go to first edition and check it out. Yeah. What about first, you? Jamie? I, I, I went, I was second edition because of like, like you, yeah. I think that's just like, what was, yeah, like the, all the first edition books had been pulled out of print, and uh, you couldn't. Well, get... Well, the art was amazing, and the the lettering was big. It was like really user friendly. Yeah, second yeah. Second edition was, and they changed some rules, right? Yeah, tons. They added proficiencies. Ah, uh, yes. Wow, yeah, I can't believe that this is how we're starting. Is this it's like is turn, this, turned is out this, a D and D player? <laughs> is this still a, is this still TSR though? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But guy Gary Gygax had been uh, fired. Or, or pushed out yeah so it was like david wow. zeb cook and uh all these different people and uh but the art was amazing i think it was larry elmore and, well, and then gary gyax went and did his own system like a yeah, separate chivalry system. and sorcery yeah chivalry and sorcery that which was, was oh. so rule-based it was amazing but it was like so deep rule rule wise that like i don't even know how you would have successfully uh played a campaign although i did have the rule book for that another really underrated rpg is uh, the cyberpunk role-playing game which had these really stylish matte black uh manuals and this amazing well, was anyone into the other tsr games like uh gamma world uh the yeah, and there was a, a Western uh, RPG, and there was uh, a spy. I I, I like oh, Steve yeah, Jackson stuff as well. Yeah, no, I read all the fighting fantasy. I had all of those books, and uh, when I was growing up, that was yeah, like same here. the saddest thing ever, where you're playing a one person dice based, <laughs> you know, like no, I, well, choose your I own was adventure. an only child. I was an only yeah. child, so I, I enjoyed it. No, no, no. I really loved it. I really loved it. And uh, it just was working on the honor system so hard because it was like, you know, what did you roll? Did you like imagine you're just alone and you're like doing a fight against a monster and you're rolling the wrong dice and you die and you're like, got to start again. Teaches you accountability, I guess. It's cheating at solitaire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, I did it while listening to Black Flag. There you go, Damien. There we are. We're back in. Turned well, out I was going to say, because thank God we found punks, because we were we sound like we would have turned into huge dorks. Well, <laughs> I mean, we could have made money on that that uh, D&D train. Yeah, we could have. We, we, we still can, you know? Like, I, I want to play D&D again. Like, now, now that I own my nerdiness, but at the time, like, I, I, start, I tried to start a Dungeons & Dragons club at school. Uh -huh. you would have thought that I went around trying to start like a trench coat mafia by the way to yeah. you, they reacted. Cause it was so vilified right. at that point. I mean, yeah. yeah like that's yeah. the thing is Dungeons and Dragons does, I think have a link to um, maybe not punk, but definitely metal um, because it was so vilified. And, and like one of the earliest sort of realizations that, you know, religion had issues was because of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, because I saw like Pat Robertson, one of the worst human beings of all time. Um, I used to watch the 700 Club, just like even then being like, what is this guy's deal? And and uh, he was talking about Dungeons and Dragons like it was satanic. And I was just like, this guy is stupid as hell. And he's using religion to further hate. This is interesting, you know? So 
I, I was I mean, more of a Jimmy Swagger guy, you know, like Jimmy when Swagger I was watching, was funny. Yeah. I, mean, like I, he, I watched Jimmy Swagger too, but he was like humorous. He, yeah. He didn't seem as, uh, as menacing as well, he was just red as hell. And he yeah. also was disgraced, you know? So, yeah. well, no, I was like, watching him before he got disgraced. I, I was watching when it was still like they were building that thing for all the kids it, it felt like, I, I, like you know, once again, I'm not a religious person, but it really did feel like a, a cliffhanger each week. Like, oh, shit, are they going to get the money to build this thing for these kids? <laughs> well, I, I, just, basically... I just went to Catholic school, so I, I, I mm. didn't need to watch it on TV. Yeah, that's true. I didn't. Uh, yeah, it was very much religion has always been more of a spectator sport for me. Well, that time when you got up in the morning. You know, like we got cable eventually, so I had much music, and that's when I got into music, just watching mm -hmm. the videos all morning. But like at six o'clock in the morning, you had that weird. You had Rocket Robin Hood, yeah, had, oh, and Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Uh, that weird Wizard of Oz cartoon that like yeah, that was French or something. You know, uh, yeah, the Wizard of Oz cartoon was weird. I I only really remember what the Tin Man looked like in it, and he was a little upsetting, but in a very subtle way like i don't know I, what was wrong but it was, it, i i don't remember anything but about like it. anime kind I, of yeah like no a, that's the thing the animation really disturbed me and i remember the title sequence they would walk through the o of oz um and that's yeah, all i, I can really that. remember and don't forget droids and ewoks were also um, but that was like um, saturday that was like a big like you would schedule that i'm talking about when you got up like early at like five o'clock in the morning yeah. during the week or on uh yeah. on, on sunday well, yeah, farm. Well, Sunday was all about farm report when you got up <laughs> yeah. early enough. Hilarious and House of Frightenstein. Frightenstein. Oh, I love. Oh, was I love that show. And uh, you know what else was? Um, well, just I know you're you're getting into the Christian stuff from from about the morning wake ups. I mean, are are you getting into Circle Square Ranch? Is that oh, where you want to take the conversation? I have not thought about that thing in fucking years. Danko, do you remember uh, Circle oh, Square yeah. Ranch? Yeah, Circle oh, Square Ranch. If you're not listening, uh, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, if you're listening, it was this religious show. Was it, do you think it was the focus on the family kind of people? Like those, uh, or not focus on the family. There's some, uh, what's the name of it? Like something street that was a big I, Canadian religious oh, thing. Oh, Hunt, 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 Huntley Street. Huntley Street. Huntley Street. Huntley Street. Well, Street. I, I feel like yeah. it had something to do with that. And um um, did, did it have a weird record mascot that played the spoons? Probably, yeah. I mean, it had oh, these puppets. Yeah, like so it was the weird. one that had the the puppets. It basically was a religious yeah. show with child children. Like it was like a religious new Mickey Mouse Club, but with puppets doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. No, I, I remember watching that thing, and at first watching it and being like, I really wish I could go to Circle Square Ranch because they also did have a camp that they would advertise at the end of it. Yeah. I remember that too. You know, like it'd be like, oh, I could I could go there. And now I'm looking back on it. It's like, oh, that was definitely like a conversion camp and like like all sorts of terrible shit was probably going on at that place. Yeah, that Canadian subtle kind of badness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like and, mm -hmm. no, no, I was just gonna say it's like definitely a very Canadian trait. Like it's like you you're like a you're kind of a bully or you're a bully but you're standing beside like a much bigger bully so you're just like yeah but i'm not that guy right like i'm you know it's kind of fucked yeah. up here but it's not there yeah and it's like okay cool but didn't you do some sort of like eugenics but you just like didn't tell anybody well yeah but it's only to like 300 
to 2000 to 5,000 people. I mean, it's not a big deal. Canadians are, uh, yeah. But you know, at the same time, I think growing up where we grew up, um, and I'm talking about Damien, cause I know Danko, you lived, uh, a little out of town. Am I crazy thinking about that? <laughs> oh, Scarborough. <laughs> you know that farm you grew up on, Tango, with the cows? You call Scarborough out of town? <laughs> at that time, I called it out of town. At, I would go to Scarborough. At that time, actually. I think I Scarborough was like, to me, that was the inner city. Like, you go to, like, Scarborough Town Center, and it'd be like, yo, this is going to be, it's going to be a wild trip. No, know? I, I mean, if I went to Scarborough, I was like, this is the best day of my life. I'm going to get to go to Scarborough Town Center and go to the arcade. I'm going to get to go to a ravine or two, like, and see my friends. I mean, and uh, and I honestly was like, so, I don't know what the word would be, but like, I'd go to my friend's apartment and I'd be like, this kicks ass. I wish I had an apartment and a nice mom like Adrian, you know? Wow, I've never really heard anyone go on and on about how great Scarborough was before. I love Scarborough now. I mean, I'm going all about the city and I'm just like, and this, this is a locals only podcast. This is a thing about. That's what I want to do for episode 300. Cause I was like, uh, my thing was like, Oh fuck. I got to try and get like, you know, who should I get on this podcast? Like who should I get on the episode 300? I'm like, well, every episode is like a big deal to me. So I'm like, why don't I get on my friends and people that I can relate to and it make 300 more about just, you know, navel gazing and having a good time <laughs> oh so this is 300 i think you did say that i yeah. forgot yeah. about that that's very oh, well congratulations. congratulations thank you well, yeah. thank you Thanks i can't thinking of us well i i appreciate it. well like danko as you know you're like one of the inspirations for this whole thing for me and oh. uh you know nick i'm obviously a huge fan of you for for a long time and we've been friends forever mm-hmm. but uh you know I, I think getting together with you guys and recording podcasts are some of my favorite hangs and like we can't do it in person right now which is a bummer uh because we've done it three we've done it well multiple times on your show danko but like one time on your show nick all in person and those are like some of my favorite favorite memories like even more than circle square (laughs) (laughs) but not more than 700 club no that'd be fucking um, you know that's ridiculous to try and put it above that that you can't beat 700 (laughs) i can't not at all can't beat a guy with like a you know like a boccaccini head yeah. <laughs> you know his head is like one of those wet pieces of cheese just calmly telling you that the world is going to end well it, gonna end tomorrow you know you brought up like scarborough when i was you know kind of like in my formative years i guess scarborough was kind of the center of the toronto punk scene like nick you and me were in different scenes hell yeah uh you know you were a garage rock snob and i was like a cool hardcore kid <laughs> and so that's like the the real divide <laughs> 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 I guess I was in the middle there. Yeah, I, I've you, always well, been you were, just in the middle. No, you were you were a rock star. Like not not you acted like a rock star because you were very approachable and we hung out and talked. But you were like famous, so it was like <laughs> it was like different than like you know us battling it out in the trenches going to these. I mean, uh, I went to punk shows. I, we were I in a, we were in different punk no, scenes. I've come we... around, and I would I, like you know I say that you know, and I mean I'm a hundred percent joking, but like I agree that your scene. You know, if I'm going back and listening to stuff now, I'm listening to the leather uppers, not necessarily some random demo. Only no, no, but Damien, like my first exposure to a scene was um, the Sneaky D's Kensington Market punk scene. Like, and I was yeah. going to all those shows and I was hanging out at, did, did we talk about this before? We must, maybe on the, my pot. Uh, yeah, podcast. I think on your episode we talked about, it. no, I, I think you and me, like we started, like you, we were, we came in 
like Danko, you came in earlier than us because you're, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit like by a couple cooler, of years. yeah, cooler. But uh, but like by cooler, in... by cooler, you mean older? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. I realized as I get older, I realize that just means I'm getting cooler. Uh, <laughs> the older you get, the cooler you get. Look at Steven Tyler. Look Never at Steven cooler. Tyler. Exactly. Cooler. You know, every I think you look at Johnny Depp, you look at Steven Tyler, you look at uh, <laughs> Richard, you're like, oh shit, they get better with age. Robert De Niro. <laughs> Humans are wine. Humans are Robert De Niro. <laughs> Irishman is like the greatest role he's done, but um in some ways, but but Robert De Niro's public persona is has, <laughs> is so close to just ruining every role he's ever done. Like he's literally like, "Hey, a message to President Trump. You talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> like, no, that was a very serious movie that made me think." <laughs> I think I watched a video the other week about Al Pacino meeting Guy Ferrari, and it really uh, Al Pacino movies for me. No, I mean, I love really? Al Pacino. I love Al Pacino still because he's never taken himself seriously. I mean, you know, it's it, it's just uh, or he hasn't for a very long time. And he also, I think, loves the stage, you know, like he yeah. prefers acting yeah. in theater. So he's been doing stagey performances for like 35 years. Now. <laughs> Not even works on I, camera. I had I'm trying to remember who it was, but someone I knew was like the manager of the Uptown Movie Theater on Young Street where they would do all the big film festival premieres, right? Back in the day. And Al Pacino came in and this guy's like a huge fan of any given Sunday and gets him to sign a football. And he's like, uh, Hey, I just, could you, do you mind signing this for me? Like any given Sunday is like one of my favorite movies ever. He's like, ah, oh, sure. No problem. So he signs the football and he's like, yeah, it's, I think the movie's incredible. He goes, well, that makes one person <laughs> just gives him back the football. That's amazing. <laughs> uh but yeah no like at the time like you, you know you and me came into the same wave of punk but i think uh it, it was it kind of exploded right and it like factioned off pretty quickly and there were like different scenes like i would i don't think i was even part of the kensington market scene like no i, I, went I think to shows you were there. more straight edgy and I later on i think i, I was, was more never of, part of scenes really i remember know. i was kind of like a pop punk kid yeah i went to pop punk shows like when i was like younger and then got into hardcore and uh that was the uh you know like that that's weirdly where i kind of found myself uh but at the time and, and tinker combo was definitely like a bridge band between these yeah. two seeds well for me too because i hadn't heard a lot of the bands that our drummer mark like basically our drummer mark was uh, mark jarrett you guys know him and he was uh i think the one who had the idea that we cover like 80s texas hardcore songs you know primarily yeah. the, there were other hardcore songs that we covered but it was like big boys and void and like the fact that i got to be in a band like i like i think we covered who are you like it when i was like 17 yeah <laughs> and i just remember being like i love this song you know and and uh but at the same time we were modeling ourselves on like the dwarves and um all that kind of stuff so that was uh you know a musical introduction as well as my friends and this is more like danko stuff um in, when i was 12 or 13 who were loving like nick cave touch and go at that time amphetamine reptile at that time so i was getting into more sludgy stuff i guess and and stuff like john brandon and his work but i didn't even relate it 
to negative approach whatsoever. I probably didn't know about negative approach until like 10 years later or, or eight years later, you know? I liked crazy front people. Yeah. No matter what the genre was. I loved the cows because of that, you know. That's all yep. noise then, rock. Is yeah, that noise does rock. that fall under the umbrella of punk? I mean, it does for me. Definitely. It for does me. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that, the, yeah. Hold on. Sorry, I didn't mean chaos. Well, no, 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 no. I feel like like Ian Savonius is like a very good example of that merger, you know. Uh, yeah, like I think I think like you know, it's like we're talking about people coming on these waves and then it all just factions off and, and splits off. But like Tom Hazelmeyer was doing shit like with Bob Mould back in the day. Like they did some band together or or something like way back when. So like Halo of Flies and Husker Du and the replacements and like all this stuff is kind of like, you know, together. And then it eventually spawns off into its own scene. And I think you see like microcosms of that, you know, in Toronto, like when you really get down to it and you're like, oh shit, we were all like, into punk and hardcore it's just like we kind of dressed slightly differently or went to different venues for shows and it was like slightly different worlds yeah i think back in the 80s when this wasn't you know really codified and there was no alternative nation all those bands like you said just mixed and mingled because they were different than what everybody was hearing yeah like yeah like so they could hang out with each other and make do do music together but now it's a little different different i think now it's come back around i think it's the same thing yeah okay well because like now you don't have to like i think i think the economics were part of the reason that eventually people kind of factioned off because you could only really afford to go to so many shows and buy so many records and and dress in so many different types of clothes and now you don't really have to pick and choose as far as buying the records right i mean i i I think that you do have a point, right. Damien. Like, uh, and I think it's some of these large festivals, uh, the punk festivals, that for me have had a, a big impact on that. And even going, I think Europe has been f- refreshing for that, and and also Quebec in a way where there will be, you know, I've always found like those are those will be places where they'll see a like the hardest Japanese punk band and be like, you guys are great. Anyway, tomorrow I'll be seeing Cheap Trick, and I cannot wait. You know, and it's like. Um, the link between all the different sort of guitar bands is, and I mentioned the punk festivals because it's like you'd have all the different genres, like whether it's garage rock, you know, to noise rock, to uh, Coxbar or something, to, you, you know, uh, like power violence, like, and and I, I think that it's it's that kind of thing that, that um, does unify our tastes slightly yeah well i think it's like you're saying danko like how in the 80s before it got commodified and 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 you know sort of like ritualized and turned into this different thing the 90s is when this all all this shit happened and i think if you look at the music industry in the 90s that's when people realized how much of a commodity a cd could be because it costs so little to make and you could sell it for so much money holy shit you can't spell commodity without cd god damn it nick that. you did it whoa you cracked the whoa. matrix it's like some are you satri- high right now nick are you high uh, no normal altitude are you getting contact high through the microphone maybe from me <laughs> um, i'm getting but, a tropical contact high nobody you know, talks about mike love and punk <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there but i think i think like you know you look at these labels and like the way a label 
you know, way any corporation makes money is by selling identity. You know, you can look at Starbucks and like you go to Starbucks, you don't just order like a large coffee. You got to like speak their fucking language. They sell CDs for you. They like yeah. all the stores look a certain way. Like you're selling someone mm-hmm. like an identity. And that's what these labels did. Like you were a Discord kid or you're a touch and go kid or you're a lookout right, kid. Right. And, and I don't think these labels were doing it maliciously, but like it was just what capitalism kind of does. And that's the way you make the most money out of people is by being like, no, 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 you're, you're part of this thing. Come buy the shirts, buy the CDs, represent the culture. I don't mean that. It was the hardest thing to come to terms with. Was discord really doing that? Or were the people who bought discord just because I found that people who bought discord. Yeah. They really pushed the whole look. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they, it's weird. They didn't even live in DC. Yeah, and like I don't mean like you know I, in talking like uh, to you know Ian uh, from Fugazi and Discord and my thread and everything like in a couple times like he kind of really feels that their way of doing thing is the way to do punk, you know? Like he like he'll like he, like he'll just be like this is what punk is. Like it's almost like these people are all selling their own take on Christianity. You know, it's like, oh, we're the Protestants over here. We're the Anglicans and we're the Catholics over here. And they're all like, you know, they all have their different version. And when you buy their records, that's like, that's you uh, getting the collection plate passed to you. Like you got to pay for the records and then you, you pay to see them live and do their sermons in person. And I don't, I'm not just picking on discord, like every label, every label. I think that's hilarious. You know, but it's it's kind of like a wafer. Yeah, well, the wafer is the CD, the, right? The or CD. Yeah. You can't eat it. Yeah. I want well, something vinyl. edible. What would it be like when I got the Ted Nugent Biltong stick? No, no, you get an audible meal. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like they're not selling the meal. exact. <laughs> it's not the exact same thing as religion, Nick. Or, you know, it wouldn't be an analogy then. It would just be me describing religion. It's got to be slightly different for the analogy to be an analogy. I see. But, Thank you. But the, <laughs> you're got, learn, you're book smart. I can I'm book smart. <laughs> Yeah, I know, and it's it's this idea that like, you know, you these people, you, you know, like you're paying for them to do this, like in the same way religion is, you know, you're paying for them to give you the sermon. It's I don't know. Well, I, that I, analogy it, is a great way to just completely flush music away from my life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I mean, this is the thing is I I think at some point, and and again, this is more like a a thing with. Damien and I, because Danko, you've you've found a really good way, I think, to like deal with label stuff and and put things out. But it it's been on your own terms, and it's been accepting the apparatus, you know, of it. And, and I think, but but I'm sure you've witnessed this too, where it's just like when you kind of realize everything is commodified, and that the stuff you were doing at the beginning that felt like if not even just you and your friends doing stuff, but like you going to get to do shows and then seeing your friends and doing shows for people who were stoked. You're like, mm, I, w- I really wish, you know, um, kind bars hadn't sponsored that showcase <laughs> or that, that show I'd done, you know, like you think about all the sponsorship, all the branding stuff, the fact that that's what allowed these things to exist and and get their message out further it's like very complicated and in a lot of ways that's when religion it's like if religion was like presented by scion you know and and uh it kind of is right like religion is well you got to drive the bible some somehow (laughs) 
<laughs> you got to get there somehow. So <laughs> I, I, I think it's like, you know, like that Maryland's vitamins tape that never came out. Uh, was it vans don't uh, gas isn't free and vans don't run on hugs or something. <laughs> Oh, records yeah aren't pressed yeah. for free and i can't remember i'm like butchering it right now yeah. but like yeah yeah it's kind of this idea that like someone's got to pay for it you know like it's got to the money has to come from somewhere to to make this stuff happen but yeah like it it, it gets to a point where uh i don't know it's just so weird to talk about this stuff because it seems so quaint in you know the present day where we're mm-hmm. all you know we're all involved with corporations at every step mm-hmm. you know? well mm-hmm. i was talking about that last night with somebody just about the fact that we all have like everything is is branded like and but now with all this stuff that's happening where we're isolated and you feel the hand of advertising like more than ever in this weird way and and you do you know what i mean like i feel like when i see commercials now on uh for on anything and they're like now more than ever you know you you need clean water that's why this brita filter is good for you you know it's like they're taking advantage of the fear and uncertainty that's at the surface and and you know that it's like i don't even know what all we have is like it's it's the skeleton of capitalism is what i'm trying to say the flesh fell off and now it's like it, it, it's like we're we're naked it, it's nakedly still alive and and like happening more than ever but it feels off and wrong to me like it feels like it's been exposed but people are still participating which almost feels like disgusting like so i don't know it's it's weird when you look at like what's happened with software you know because i'm i'm starting to get into like trying to figure out how to do more things for myself on computer. And the whole thing is now is like, you don't own anything. You have to pay for it, but you don't own exactly. it. You no, know, you're like renting it month to month, month to you're month, a, an eternal lease. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't own Photoshop at all anymore. Like you will, you will pay them money every month in the same way. Like obviously with Netflix, you get tons of fucking movies. So it's totally different. And all these streaming services, you get tons of movies. This is an ad for Netflix, by the way. Um, <laughs> you get, you get tons of movies and stuff like that. But the thing is you don't actually own any of those movies. And if you stop paying them, they're not going to show you movies anymore. <laughs> they're like, Oh yeah. shit. Okay. We're all the movies go back. Whereas if you, you might only own one copy of Pulp Fiction, but by God, you can watch that copy of Pulp Fiction forever. I mean, yeah. I've been, I've been going to like the one thing I've done that has been dicey ish in the pandemic is, you know, my partner and I have been going to the Salvation Army and Value Village. We've been thrifting and I always buy, um, I bought like the 90210. Like if I see 90210 DVDs, I'm buying them like Beverly Hills 90210. Cause I'm like, where is that streaming? I can't really find it. And it's such a dumb show, like, and I, it, it is like nostalgic for me and I just want to own it. And I'm even buying more to like, like those nineties MTV shows, like late nineties. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> viva la bam. This is going to be illegal in five years. <laughs> Dude, no, it's so weird. Like, uh, you, you guys watch that wrestling show that I made? 
Not yet. No. Yes, the wrestlers. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Nick. I'm. It's been out for like four years. I'm really bummed that I, I haven't watched. I it. know. But thank you, Danko. I, thank you, Danko you know, Jones, no, my friend. I owe you. But um, have you seen the films I've 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 acted in? Yes, um, I have. I definitely saw yes. one of them with Tristan, and I've seen the <laughs> yes, Wow commercial too. many many times. Yeah. So it, was, well. it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> And I bought every single teen crud record and most of the brutal nights records. And I need we some wrong hole records. I definitely what, admit what that. about my stand-up records? <laughs> I have two of your stand-up yes. records. Oh my yes. god. This is horrible. <laughs> Look, I will get to the wrestlers. Okay, but anyway, this is I might have watched it already. I, I also in the first episode. I also like ever- your tweets. I like your tweets as well, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, Damien will like my tweets, but we know I will. Like, hey, there's a lot of things in the algorithm where the tweets don't always show up on your feed. Like, no, I, I think I get pushed down the algorithm for some reason. Uh, I don't know why. I, sometimes I'm like looking in my thing and I'm like, oh, shit, is this person dead? And then I go through and it's like, no, they've been tweeting forever. I just like, they're not coming up for some reason in the feed. But yet, for some reason, it always brings up people that I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't, why am I following well, this ag- ag- Again, this is like, goes exactly back to what we were just talking about. I compliment your skills uh, it, it, because it's just the the social media world is, is uh, like it's making money off of making us mad, you know? Yeah, and oh, yeah. it's, it, it, it's like, especially Twitter, Instagram, it's making money off of making us feel bad kind of, you yeah. know, like, Oh God, like um, Bella Thorne is having such a great time and I'm not. And um, who's Bella Thorne, Nick. I do not know this person's name. She's some lady who fu- messed up only fans. Like she like uh, was famous and like went on only fans, like as a publicity stunt. And then, so many people bought a picture of her that like didn't wind up being right. And they like didn't wind up being nude or something. And they asked for their money back. So it like screwed over. Uh, okay. I'm only, I'm only really familiar with uh, pop culture that appeals to like at most a thousand people. <laughs> like, like anti-semics if you guys want to talk about mob 47 anti-semics we can talk about can we talk no. about submachine out of pittsburgh first? yeah i love submachine i went to the reunion when they played with uh at the hockey teeth reunion they were one of the first bands i ever saw that's Nerd. like that scene i was talking about no it was like submachine and then locally it was uh armed and hammered lit a kill incorrect armed and hammered which allison from Secret Combo wound up playing in for a time. And what Allison was in Armed and Hammered? Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that until I heard the podcast. I just that part of the podcast. I've listened to the podcast. I didn't hear that. Yeah. She was in this band Armed and Hammered with Mopa Dean. Whoa. Uh, who had a, a punk radio show, I believe. Yeah. Well, no, he was the station Doug. manager of CIUT. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's so cool. And yeah. um which is yeah. where Allison did her show on the Armed and Hammered and uh I guess dirty bird and whatever, like you could go on, but, but I wasn't even aware of say like a bunch of fucking goofs I knew, but, but even something like day glow abortions was like distant to me. Well, cause they're not from here, right? They're from like out West BC or something. They're yeah, from they're uh, Victoria. Vancouver, Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it also know, all, all roads lead to Nardwar for me as well. That was yeah. like a big, he was the big. This is going to be something catalyst. that blows your mind. Do you know who used to manage the Daglo abortions? No. JC. Oh, Jeff Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Jeff Cohen. That's so funny. Yeah. I didn't know. How, how is that really? I've never even heard that. Yeah. Like, I think it's like towards like 80, late 80s. 
type thing. Oh, okay. But I'm wow. not sure that's that. a story. He, if, if it's not them, it's someone like them, and there's really no one like them, so it's probably them. Yeah, it would be the wet spots. Do you think he would manage the wet spots? Or? <laughs> oh, why are you doing that to Hamilton's wet spots? Don't, don't label them. Like the Diglo, Diglo abortions, when they would come to town, it was like a, it was like a terrifying circus rolling through. I yeah. can imagine. Yeah, I mean, that was... Um, that era was enough of that vibe for me for the rest of my life, for sure. You know, you, it was. Mm-hmm. No, have you watched the Clinton Western civilization part three? I have, but I don't, I I've got to rewatch it because it was one of those ones that I m- m- threw on and like took in, but I mean, it's kind of heavy compared to the other ones. Oh, right? yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, There's like five people I've, dead before you finish the movie. That's so cool that you saw that you interviewed Penelope Spheris. I've heard her interviewed before. She's uh, really great. Yeah, yeah she's she's uh, pretty cool. And like someone that, you know, like saw that scene and was like, you know what? This is all I need. I want the crust scene. Yeah, there's something very special about that scene, even though it's um, a lot to take sometimes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I remember in Denmark when we played with that one band, crust band called uh um cop on fire oh yeah i remember cop on fire <laughs> which i when i heard that name i was just like this is crazy <laughs> and and uh it's like touring's gotta be a good time <laughs> <laughs> that but, border uh, crossing would be that's <laughs> a great time <laughs> what's this merch oh um it's like it doesn't, we don't mean police. We mean like get, you know, like got a cop. <laughs> Whatever you mean, get on fire. Well, you get it. Get on fire. It's like a Danko Jones kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, but like the singer came out with like a hood over his, like, you know, like in this gross big hoodie, just like completely covering his face. And was just like, you know, that kind of grindy crust. And um, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, but I was also kind of like, God, what a bad time. Well, that, you know, and I think that's the difference. <laughs> is, uh, well, that's like the, there's crust music and then there, like, there's that kind of crusty scene, you know? Yeah, but I, I felt like Cop on Fire was like a, a good part of it. Both. Yeah. And uh, but no, the crusty scene is often doesn't really get out of whatever locality it's in. You yeah. Know? Like, except is, I, really I think the biggest. The biggest outgrowth of that scene is probably, uh, or the biggest like like uh, export like from that scene, is leftover uh, crack or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, leftover crack. Yeah. Who? Yeah, um, that kind of thing. There's other bands like that, you know. But but you're so right. It's like, and that's again talk about stratifying scenes. Like these are the kinds of bands that don't really play together unless it's at a festival or something. Yeah. Well, and then here's the best part: is uh, Brad Logan plays in leftover crack uh used to be in the band f minus danko he got into punk because he used to go to shows with the roadie of van halen wow his who was across the street from him like he i guess he uh was like older dude and had the van halen van and they used to go to shows in the van halen van (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah so even even leftover crack connects back to van halen so (laughs) all roads lead all roads yeah, all roads lead to Van Halen. What? A, oh my God, this is. It's it, it's important that you're doing so many interviews, uh, both of you actually, because it's not to be all much of a downer, but people are just 
dying in music. It's just like, you think about it, like people a few days ago were just like, oh yeah, Pete Shelley died like last year or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, fucking Pete Shelley died. Like that sucks. You know, he was so important. And um, there's just so many people, people like that right now. I'm just mentioning that because you made me think of Eddie Van Halen, obviously. And yeah. um, well, I've paused my podcast for the time being. So, oh yeah. Well, um, do you have a, a reason for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on um, high anxiety. <laughs> oh, because you're just so dedicated to trying to get a good no, interview? I, out of no, people. no, I just the pandemic and everything that's going um, on. Personally, I just need to stop and just because I went weekly. Uh, I know Damien was was going weekly before the pandemic. And then he you upped your game to like two or three a week. Yeah, and sometimes I did my version. Wow. Yeah, like I just do it weekly. That's upping my output, and I can't handle it. So, yeah, I'm taking a break. I'm 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 pretty much pretty much at the same output. I would like to do two a week as well, but it's just hard for me to bank them. But for me, because I think because I do the solo episodes, um, well, I also have nothing to do generally. So, well, it's yeah. very different. You None have things of us to do. do. No, well, you guys you got think, stuff yeah. to do. Well, but no. I mean, compared to, you know, before the pandemic, uh, you know, schedules kind of open, but it's different. <laughs> like I find when you're on the road, uh, you know, I would always be like, Oh, I'm fucking on the road. It's so hard to do this shit, but there's so much downtime. Whereas when you're at home, there's always something you could and should be doing. Mm, right. Like right. if I'm like, if like when I'm doing the podcast and I'm working on the podcast and like, I don't know, like I, you guys are bringing up two things that I really weigh heavy on me. Like one is that I feel like I'm constantly running against the clock to try and interview people. Like not, not because I, I want to have it to monetize it or anything like that, because really this podcast makes no money, but like, I want it to be, um, I just want to have these conversations with these people before they're gone. Like when Dave Brocky from guar passed away mm-hmm. i was yeah. like fuck that's someone i always wanted to talk to about this shit like i mean he would be a building block person if you were trying to find out about say i don't know virginia or you know like no the dc stuff he's one of the few people that talks about henry rollins and ian mckay and that whole scene being kind of like bullies in his mind you know and oh, I've always, yeah that's really interesting you i've know. always been fascinated by that take like obviously like you know i wasn't there and i'm sure people would probably say that about myself too and and you know, like at times in punk rock, but at the same time, like, I think he had such a different perspective on that scene in that area. And death piggy is fucking incredible as a band. I've got to listen to death piggy. I didn't know about death piggy. Well, you're, we're, we're each teaching each other about something. You're teaching me about Bella Thorne and I'm learning, teaching you about <laughs> death. piggy. <laughs> we're both yeah. going to have some Googling to do after this thing. <laughs> so, uh, it's uh but that weighs heavy on me and then the other thing is the fact that like this is basically like a glorified hobby you know like i well i I think that's yeah that's a hard thing about right now too is just you know stand up for me is like i love it and i miss it but you know my big philosophy about not doing live shows during this my justification has been first of all what the fuck (laughs) like what are we gonna talk about come on and then like hey guys uh are you scared or not scared i'm not scared you know it's like uh but but secondly it's like this is not something that i was making a killing off of 
like from live performance. I mean, I would make some money. I would have a great time. But, and because of that, I don't feel like I should try to take advantage of like any opportunity to perform live right now, because it's just not something that like, if there's someone who is, you know, the bulk of their income were coming from it and they were just trying to get whatever live show they could just to make some money. I, I get that under this tense circumstances. And, but, but if I'm not doing it, that's one less person doing it. That's one less person gathering people out. That's one less person, you know, and it just, that, that's what, what feels right. And, and part of why that is, is because, you know, it was not as successful as, it as I wanted to be, you know, why don't you grab a bullhorn and just walk through neighborhoods and just tell jokes? <laughs> no, God, that's what these idiots started doing. And then, you know, it's like, it, 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 it's like, I, I, I'm also like, I'm not over stand up, but like, in a way coming back to Toronto and doing it has made me really a lot choosier about like how I'm doing shows and, and stuff. And um, I, I, I'm having, I'm doing a live stream with comedians every week and I'm doing some zoom shows. Dinko watched one. Unlike yeah, I, saw one. I do. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, so yeah, these are glorified. The podcast, my podcast is a hobby, you know, it's like, but they're not, but, but it's like, if we were proven anything, it's that hobbies get, get, get co-opted and monetized potentially. That's what you I know? keep hoping. I keep hoping. Yeah. I'm like, yo, come in. <laughs> no, I, I also like, I love doing this thing. And it has like during the, during this whole time, like the reason I started doing so many episodes is because I'm so used to interacting with people playing shows mm. or, or making yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. and yeah. it. And I just, uh, yeah, like it's been, I've really, uh, I've really had a great time doing this thing this year. It's, it's so helpful for me as well. I mean, it's yeah, like, like that, that conversation, that perspective, as annoying as it is for us to have the same kind of talk, because everyone I talk to says the same thing. I'm like, how are you doing? I mean, every once in a while, you know, I'm sure you guys have this too. Someone will be like, honestly, it's been a really good year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But, you know, like I've definitely <laughs> talked to a few people who say that. And I get it because a lot of artists types or people are having um, a more stable income than usual if they're in the right country. And, um, and others aren't. But uh, yeah, like just being able to talk to people and have that them say what you just said at the beginning of our conversation, Damien, where it's just like, oh, you know, like sometimes it's better than others and it's kind of up, it's up and down. We're trying. It's like, because there are so many challenges right now and there's so much extra space and, and it's almost an invitation to do our own thing, especially for people who have esoteric, esoteric uh, or, or things that we love doing that seem to make other people uh, interested or happy sometimes like this is an opportunity to lean into that, you know, whether or not it makes money. You know, so so there are saving graces during this. You know, the only thing that didn't stop at all throughout this whole thing? Coming. Wrestling. <laughs> wrestling kept running. There was wrestling shows all the time with yeah, fans. Yeah, never stopped. There's been COVID outbreaks at some of these independent shows that have How happened. How does that make you feel? Uh, does, well, that, does that reduce your, like, you know... Love of wrestling? Yeah. My love of wrestling really... Like I still love wrestling and I still love watching it, but I think um, wrestling is just came through. It's like 1991 
period you know like the nirvana period of what wrestling you know happened like maybe 2018 2017 wow and now we're in that kind of like mid 90s period where all these bands are on majors now and uh you know it's great like i'm glad people are making money um and i'm 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 very happy for that but it definitely i thought wrestling was gonna go a different way much like i thought music was gonna go a different way back in the day so it turned, <laughs> i'm just wrong about culture in general oh, yeah it's not the word what's that same with me yeah yeah no yeah. same same here politics culture everything you want it to be one way it's like the wire right you want it to be one way but it's the other way you know but whatever that's why you know that's why music that we like exists because well, yeah. we want it to be one way and then it's the other way you know a lot of that stuff is 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 responses you know to frustration catharsis mm -hmm. what are you gonna no, do I, I feel like um I, f I feel like it's been one of those uh real kind of like eye-opening moments on realizing like you know what this is what I, I like this is what i love like i love shit that's like not popular you know like i don't <laughs> i i think we i i think there was that moment where everything kind of got bubbled up again to the surface like all the underground stuff um and now it's changed obviously because because everything's you know shifted and things like that and and then it's it's just like yeah no no i i really don't like like mainstream music like i don't i don't like that kind of music and i know a lot of that stuff starts showing up in indie rock and things like that and i'm like yeah like it's it's not my shit like this is my shit like like the stuff you know seven inches and and guys in dirty hoodies like barking in a microphone and and like you know <laughs> well you're gonna love some of the comedy happening uh the anti-mask comedy then <laughs> some of the edgiest comics are dirty guides in hoodies you know or hoodies with their hoodies dirty hoodies with allegedly guys inside them basically crust punk i i uh <laughs> i i definitely also my biggest discovery on this whole uh in this whole period this is the first episode we've really talked about what's going on like i've really people have brought it up a little bit but it's almost been like the mandate of the podcast not to talk about it because yeah, i didn't know we were going to get into it like, i nor did i but uh my biggest takeaway to bring it back to where we want to be is that move on is the best punk song ever out of toronto <laughs> who, who who is that by danko jones oh okay <laughs> Dude, that song fucking kills, right. man. Well, I'm gonna put it. Oh, thanks, I'm gonna, man. I'm gonna throw it on my YouTube. There's right only now. one one version of that. It's on the Garage Rock album, and that was recorded. All the DC people are in. It was recorded in DC at the Black Cat. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a and live version. You hear people hooting and hollering and everything. Yeah, it's all like all the all the makeup were there and. Uh, Oh, I don't know it's, who other it's not fans. on um it's not on YouTube. So I'm gonna have to open up my Spotify. Get it. Someone's someone's YouTube takedown up. game is strong, it looks like. Love recall, almost a million views. Full yeah. two million. Move on. Doing great. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get the views up on um Danko Jones live at Rock Palace. That's only at 48,000. You're on YouTube? Hell yeah. That's the cool place to be. Uh, I mean, like your top 10, uh, Damien, the hardcore school Instagram. I, I've been following all the top 10s. Aren't those amazing? Those lists? Yeah, they're a lot of fun. 
Yeah, you, I've you, loved them. I found you have a top ten um, Instagram. No, there's this like there's this uh it's it's hardcore old school is like the uh, Instagram account and it they put up yeah. like lots of cool little pictures and things like that. Yeah, and then yeah. recently they went on this sort of tear of putting up top ten lists where they'll go to like you know a mutual friend of Danko's and 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 my new friend as well. Thanks to Danko, but Derek from like Sepultura and Outface, they got his list. They got the guy from just like all over like like weird it's a weird mix of people like doug holland was up there from yeah it's it's john brannon john brannon yeah like it's been it's been awesome so he hit me up and was like you know i I was like oh my god yeah i'm like oh i can't believe i get to do one of these i'm so excited and what is what is the list like everyone's list is is weird it's is it top 10 of all time or is it just top 10 punk or it's just i think i think it's like top 10 songs of the style that impacted you you know oh, and so cool. i i cheekily threw in desperate bicycles and um the stiffs uh the stiffs almost is like uh uh you know uh, a, little, a little reference to myself on that one but um i i just uh yeah like but the rest of it i just kind of like was going through and being like okay what are like and i also wanted to pick bands that you know like i could make a list that was just like oh well police story by black flag nothing uh-huh. by negative approach you know because right. it's like because I do, those are the best songs ever. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'll just pick all the other bands and, and you know, not right. mention these guys. Definitely stuff I forgot. Like, you know, if I was going to make, I was going to actually post on Instagram my, my list of songs that I forgot, you know. <laughs> Move On is definitely on to be on that. Uh, <laughs> you Swarm, a Fucking Invincible right. at 4 a.m. is going to be on it. Like, oh, there's so many things. Like, it's, it's hard when you have to actually, like, sit down and do, a, like, a top ten. Well, I did. I did one because I. I mean, I know. I know. I've gone back and forth with that Instagram profile before. So if I get asked, I'm ready. But mine's more like a all time thing. I'm not going into the minutia of punk rock bands. So yours it's is like just like your favorite bands. Well, because I saw so many other guys just going like Anarchy in the UK. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. So I, uh, I did something more like bigger, you know, like a, there's a, yeah, like a minor threat song or, a, uh, yeah, there's seven seconds, sex pistols, youth of today. Oh, what sex like pistols deep. song? Bodies for me. Bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Bodies is so yeah. sick. I song. mean, I don't like it. You know, when, when Johnny rotten, uh, you know, did his <laughs> late latest gross thing. He's been gross since they started. But, um, and everybody would be like, oh yeah, I never liked the Sex Pistols. I'd be like, you know, you're basically lame. Like you're where I was when I was like 17. And yeah, like it was like fashion punk. It's like, you can't deny, Never mind the bollocks. Like it's just such a better record than you might think. You know, it's, it's, uh, it has nothing to do with any of their poses really. It's just like, I don't think there's a bad song on it, is there? No, there isn't. No, no, no. But there's like, nowhere near a bad song. They're no. they're a band that's definitely you know, they're going to be. Uh, I don't want to say the victims because they're not victims at all, but I mean like they're definitely uh, something that has changed in this era. You know, where this era, it's better to be nice than to be good. You know, and they right, right. they're not a nice yeah. band. They're nasty people in a lot of cases, like horrible, horrible monsters in some cases in that band, like legit, like the lowest forms of life in the world in that band like sid are you talking about sid Sid? yeah like specifically like you know unless you're one of those people that don't think he murdered nancy but like you know 
you yeah. murdered someone. But, but Sid was also like the equivalent of, you know, like if you put, I don't know, like a, a, a mannequin that looked punk in a band so it would sell more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and but they're but like you can't deny that Nevermind the Bullocks is like like the best LP of that era, you know. I mean, this is a frustrating thing to me about this era. Like you just said, it's just I'm all for I think it's better to be nice than to be a di- than to be good like uh, artistically sure like in life. But we're not going to be able to deny this when we're all dead. And different people can interpret music without any of this baggage. Like this has happened historically. There's no way around this. So it's like, it feels almost like self-absorbed to get too deep into this when we're talking about, um, you know, the creative class. Cause it's just like, A, these are not the people who are making the decisions in the world most of the time. And B, you know, that affect millions of people's safety, let's say. Um, yeah. And then B, it's like, well, it's completely out of our control in the long term what the response to them is going to be. I don't know. So Bodies is a great song. Yeah, Bodies is great. <laughs> Sub, submarine Mission is great. Well, what else is on your, what else is on your, you, I, I don't <laughs> want you to give away your list now, but... Uh... Uh, well, let's see. At the top of my head, it was uh, Regress No Way by Seven Seconds because I yeah. kind of grew up with that song. And um, yeah. What Goes Around by Youth of Today. Wow. And uh, sorry? Well, I'm, 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 so, I'm, high, I'm surprised that those are that high on your list. Yeah, because those were the records that I got when I was a teenager. You know, like they, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but you know how these sometimes random randomly bought records sometimes make huge impressions not on you know how you listen to music or what just that that album is amazing Mm -hmm. to you but not to anyone else and it's happened with metal for me as well because when i was 15 i walked into a store i had five bucks to burn and i bought a cassette of a band and that and i only had 20 cassettes to listen to all day every day and you know, you listen, eventually you end up listening to it by default, like a hundred times. And then you grow up and you listen to it again. You're like, oh my God, I love this album. Nobody likes the record except you. What record? What tape is that? Were you thinking of a tape in particular? Oh, many tapes. Oh, I thought thought you were thinking of one in particular. I'm like, what band? What band is this band? Oh, I mean, the first that comes to my mind is um, Metal Church's The Dark album that nobody likes. (laughs) I've never heard that, you know, referenced or or given props anywhere. And I love that album from beginning to end. But objectively, it's not a very good album. Yeah. There's like a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of stuff I have that's like that, you know, like, uh, you know, Alice Donut is one of my favorite bands of all time. <laughs> right. Because, yeah. because of that. Yeah. You know? and, I, uh, I had all these mixtapes made for me when I was young. And there's like a lot of bands, yeah, that people would not enjoy right now. But if I heard the song, I'd be like, yeah. Like I remember when I hear, every time I hear Tool and Die by Skinny Puppy, I'm just like, this is sick. You know? Yeah. Actually, that's consolidated Tool and Die, right? What am I thinking of? Is it con- Tool and Die is, isn't that? tools ep 
No, that consolidated. <laughs> I think that's a consolidated song, but there's a skinny puppy song whose name I'm. I thought, this, I thought there was a skinny puppy song called Tool and Die. Maybe it seems I, like maybe much it more skinny puppy than consolidated. Let's see. You know, but consolidated is a band that I'm really surprised has not had a resurgence. A resurgence. resurgence. Yeah. I cannot believe yeah. it. Like, <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's funny you say that. <laughs> it's weird because i went back and i listened to it i'm like this is like music tailor made for this era like this is like yeah. how has someone not been like yo i want to reissue your entire catalog as a box set yeah <laughs> like, uh it is consolidated as tool and die remember it was like their anti-violence song oh. the song i the song i'm thinking of is tin omen by skinny puppy the only song i uh, the only song i remember song. is like that one like if you don't want an abortion don't get one <laughs> if you don't want a nazi in your house don't let one i think that's a verse and i'm like those are still some of my favorite lyrics ever because it's just like holy fuck that sums up all these arguments perfectly like you don't want nazis around just can't have them coming in just don't let them in the door in the first place and it's like you you, you don't like abortion don't get one just just there you go and i'm just but, like yeah. wow that was not that, sorry no i was just gonna say those are the only things that really resonated with me from that band which was that consolidated? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're I, making me go back and listen to them. Consolidated tool and die. I just remember hearing that on like college radio and being like, "Yeah, gun violence, not good." <laughs> like, which used to be such a thing with like '90s music. You just hear "Runaway Train" and be like, "Yeah, gotta help the runaways." <laughs> you know, like everything was. What about consolidated leading to arguably the best line in Canadian indie rock too? And that's in uh coax me. Oh, it's not um, the band you, I hate. It's the fan. Oh, oh, They're yeah. fans. Yeah. And then what did he say? Something consolidated. <laughs> I think the best lyric in, in Canadian history is uh, I know it's out of fashion and a trifle and cool from Echo Beach. Uh, Martha and the Muppets. <laughs> I was like, "What fucking song is that?" That's a great song. <laughs> I, I like. I like. I've got. Uh, I've got some Martha and the Muffin forty five. So I, I didn't get rid of those. You know, They're Thornhill. Oh, damn! This is madness. It's the fourth consecutive week I've had this reoccurring nightmare of a woman who tries to walk her child to daycare. They pass a liquor store. Remember, Tool and Die. Wow, man, you are fucking. Yeah, you love wow. consolidated, Nick. That that slow line probably fucking hurt you because Chris Murphy wrote it about you. Yeah, probably. Like, just, it's not the band. I mean, but aren't you aren't you a fan of of consolidated? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant. You know, you said you're a fan of mine. I'm a fan and, of yours too. <laughs> so he hates you. No, he hates consolidated. Did he say no, he, he likes consolidated? consolidated? Yeah, the lyric is it's like it's not the band I hate. It's the Thing. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know he was referencing consolidated in that line. I know. I always thought it was maybe like the hip. Um, wow. But consolidated. What a strange thing. Like, he, how did I? I think that's the ten million dollar question for Chris Murphy is like, when did you meet consolidated fans? Oh, uh, in the night in the early nineties. I mean, that was their world, right? Wasn't I it? had no That's... context for for consolidated. Like I just heard them on college radio. I don't know anything about it, dude. This is Chris Murphy is the greatest lyricist of all time. I fucked up the lyric. It's if I drink concentrated OJ, can I think consolidated's okay? It's oh, not yeah, the yeah, band yeah. I hate. It's the fans. Three cans of water perverts me. 
<laughs> that's fucking that's a sick little verse i used to love uh underwhelmed like when i'd hear that when i was young like i would come on i'd be like oh these are like uh pretty clever this is pretty clever stuff i, I like it you know <laughs> that's such a hard guess and consolidated is capitalized so you can't even say no i was just talking about some other consolidated thing i love that them right. and pavement were like at the forefront of like sweetly making fun of bands in in indie rock <laughs> songs <laughs> and also we're talking we got i don't want to we don't have to bring this all up danko but we're talking to the king of the indie rock beefs right now on the phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes, i mean I this do is have a few and actually um i'll do it off the record but there's beefs uh that are connected with maybe one of the bands we just mentioned but anyways Sloan? Consolidated, well, Nick. He's got super beef with Consolidated. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. I don't have any beef with Consolidated. But I thought it's you a, were it's friends a, with Sloan. No, we are. I mean, it's a like, <laughs> like you know, whatever. I shouldn't have said anything. Anyways, it's all good. I saw Chris last year. I know. I think. I think that's like that's the next person we need. That's the person we need. <laughs> that's my favorite way of getting out of it. Oh yeah, I saw that guy two years ago. We're good. <laughs> That's that's the that's the person I think we need to bring into this relationship as our our because uh, we're a thruple now, but we need a fourth. Yeah. Sure, you know? I'm I think all Chris, for it. Chris Chris could also <laughs> bring the the bitter bile that we need for this stew. Too. I mean, you know, that it would be great if we lay down all the beefs on the table <laughs> and just went through them. <laughs> then just went through all the. I have I have serious beef. I was even talking about a beef I had with. Not Sloan, but another East Coast band. Yes, Hardship just... Post. Nope, not Hardship Post, but you're 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 close. I also like think back because like fucked up was a band that definitely got known for having beefs with other bands and doing stuff. And you know, I think a real unconscious influence on that is uh -huh. you, Danko. I learned it from you. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, you know what? I that is probably the one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten. And, and Nick Thank too. You. I remember Nick having beef with Robin oh, Black. God. Oh God, I man. saw that show. And and so okay, so the backstory. Nick hates this now. I'm going to tell it. Oh, you don't God. mind, do you? No, it's fine. you do mind. No, I'm. I don't it's mind. It's amazing, honestly. Nick. I don't amazing. mind. Amazing. You got to do it. What was it? Was it Teen Crud? Teen Crud was playing. Yes. And we at the booked elbow. on this this annual sort of big, big, big uh, local show that the Sinisters used to put on. Talk about an under-discussed uh, Toronto yeah. band. Um, that band has never come up on the show, surprisingly. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, they're very, very interesting um, time of, for that. Anyway, so, so, so it was a it, Halloween show. Yeah, and so Nick gets dressed up like Robin Black for Halloween. and they Robin Black doing... was on the show. That needs to be <laughs> totally Robin mentioned. Robin Black! The show was, was Riot there. Star, Teen Crud Combo, Robin Black, and the Sinisters. Robin Black and the Intergalactic. But here's the thing. Rock. Riot Star's sick, too. Sorry, go on. Nick didn't. Nobody cool. told Robin this. <laughs> and so while Nick is on stage singing as Robin Black, Robin Black himself comes up to me, of all people, and goes, is he imitating me? Is he, is he making fun of me? He whispers it in my ear. And all I did is I turned to Robin and I just said, I don't know who he's trying to be knowing <laughs> he's trying, like he's dressed up as you buddy. Yeah, so and, that uh, was one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen any band do to another band. 
but it's it's like one of those things that you know if you were like i'm not like i'm not proud of it but i am proud of the sheer dedication yeah <laughs> we put into it because it's not just something where i you know teased my hair and was like oh i'm black it's like we came out we started we we Everybody had, it was like Robin Black and the Intergalactic Rock Stars, for those not listening, were like this sort of glam throwback, uh, you know, band that was um, hated uh, by and, punk rockers for some reason. Like, I look yeah, back on, and their music's it, not bad, but like, I just remember how much vitriol. No, it's really embarrassing on that level. Like, just, just how uh, needlessly... Uh, tribalized or whatever we were about you know anything that seemed ambitious on any level or yeah. accessible yeah. Yeah. like any level they're going for it yeah. fuck them and uh, <laughs> yeah exactly oh they're doing what they want to do <laughs> fuck this is what they want to do fuck them <laughs> they're not playing a community center with all the lights on and a shitty pa no but a lot of it is just like this is like why are you going so hard for something i can't handle <laughs> You know, like, please don't. <laughs> like, that's that is like a big part of negative. Well, vibes, well, you know? oh, wait, I gotta, I gotta stop you right there because we had beef with them back in the day, and yeah, part of it was that he did interviews where he made some comments about me. Yeah, he was very, very, you know, part of the um. Like he was doing the cheeky thing. He was like, they were really playing it up. It just seemed like such an such a uh, a pose or whatever, you know. And at that time, I mean, and and Damien, as you know, it's like all of our bands were like really about, and and even you, Danko. It's like it was like an not taking yourself a hundred percent seriously, but like making sure you were practicing all the time, making sure you were like just working it and, and taking your, you know, the music seriously, but kind of being a bit ridiculous, but self-aware. And it seemed like this was like ridiculous because it wasn't that self-aware about yes, it. Yes. 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 You know, but I, you know, be do your thing. But also, there is another thing: is before uh, I don't know. This is more personal than I've ever come out. But I like talking about beefs because they're yeah. old yeah. now, and we can. Yeah. It's all water under the bridge. And, and we all and, know now. We all know now that we were really stepping on Superman's cape by fucking with Robin Black because he could beat up all three of us. Like he has fought in the UFC. Like he yeah, like he probably has. He could have gone on uh, address. Well, yeah, he would have spin kicked your head right through the drum kit, Nick. It would have been fucking like, oh, he could have. He, oh. Yeah, but my whole yeah, thing about like, that like, what's is, so good? But that's not. That's no, not I'm right. saying, I'm saying, like, he, he, he showed restraint. He showed restraint. Well, right. that's part so of okay. martial arts is you're supposed to not you know, lose your cool. Well, I, I just want to. I just want to say, like, okay, two things. Um, the jail thing. There's no beef. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just uh -oh. I just don't like I just don't like people who answer me like rudely. That's all. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Especially when I, I wasn't being rude. Second of all, the reason that there is a Robin Black beef that goes way back is when Robin came, uh, moved to Toronto. Um, my friend at the time, okay, girlfriend at the time, introduced us. And we sat down for drinks with another guy who was in another band. And the two of them completely ignored me. 
I was not included in the conversation between the four of us. And they were talking about their friends and their bands. And I thought that was really rude. And so there's little things like that that you don't hear about. You never hear about. And for some, a, a personality like me, just the way I am, that's a, that goes a long way. Like I, I'm not like that with other people. And when people are like that with me, and I find that very rude, uh-huh. I never forget. And that's, I crit people, you know, the guys in the, my band, they, they criticize me for that. And people in my personal life criticize me for that. But Hey, you, you, you answer me snarkily. You, 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 you're rude to me. I will remember that for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And that's be my for problem. Life. Be for life. I, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that completely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we're, that's getting to something that's at the heart of something that all three of us might have. Sorry, Damien, if I interrupted, by the way. No, no, I was just, I was going to say that, like, uh, you know, like you're, uh, before you get, I I let you go, Nick, or I I, I just kind of like, I kind of look at you, Danko, as being this guy that's like known for doing like, uh, you know, a character on stage, but you're one of the realest people I know. Like, you're real as fuck. It goes back, and I don't want to bring up the specific beef because we don't want to bring up all the old wounds, but reading your letters in the now letter page, (laughs) (laughs) I weekly. Yeah, I think it was, this was in a now. Uh, yeah, okay, maybe now. yeah, that makes sense. It was various. Yeah, weekly. and I remember <laughs> and I remember reading this letters as this one beef was kind of unfolded. It was almost like now became maximum rock and roll for a moment where you're like reading a beef unfold in the letter section. I was like, this dude is in a cool ass band and he's the real ass dude. So that you know, <laughs> you know I, I and you too, back. Nick. Like you also were like a fucking psycho with the beefs. Like I remember you guys slipping uh slipping the uh <laughs> I've never Jamie Town slipping some fucking porno thing under Robin Black's uh door. Oh, yeah. well, like our you. practice our practice space was like <laughs> we had an ongoing graffiti war between um you know like us and Robin Black just like being like you guys are stupid, you know, and and uh, and like Mark, our drummer, was a big part of that because he was like older than us. But like super petty. <laughs> Are you there? Oh, I think I lost you guys. Yo, I, I can hear oh, you. Good. Yeah. Um, he was super petty. Is, wait, if if I'm here, I'm here, here, I'm here, I'm here. Oh, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, and and uh, oh shit, guys, can what? we continue this at another moment? Because Lauren just informed me that I have to leave to go do something can we do like another call and do uh like finish the episode because this is fucking awesome i'm having a good time if you guys are up for it are nick and danko up for continuing the podcast download part two of episode 300 and find out and also check out the danko jones podcast and the nick flanagan weekly podcast for more fun and excitement And also check out episode uh, number 29 with Nick Flanagan and episode four with Danko Jones of Turn It A Punk to see how this, uh, this whole thing got started. See you over there on part two.